Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Banks, and you're listening to Leadership Luminaries from PeopleSmart. PeopleSmart provides innovative learning solutions to organizations in many countries, cultures, and languages, focusing on leadership and people development in the context of digital transformation, change management, culture change, and the increasing need for emotional intelligence. Today, my guest is Caroline, uh, AKA Carrie Benedet. Good morning, Carrie. How are you, Michael? Nice to be on. <laughs> ah, thank you very much for, uh, for agreeing to appear on this show. It's great to have you. And I'm gonna explain a little bit about you. Um, Carrie has 24 years of industry experience in creating, leading and hosting leadership experiences, programs and courses. She has a global conference presence and podcast series called Thriving Matters. Carrie's an education specialist who focuses on personal and professional growth mindset with aspiring and experienced leaders and teams in education systems, government and business. Carrie walks the talk by leading and, tra and hosting transformational global leadership experiences through a lens of purpose, culture, performance and growth. She's a global leadership coach, dynamic facilitator, and a keynote speaker who shares her belief and passion for developing future leaders. So today's title is Pivoting from Fear to Confidence. Your Kokoda, spelled <laughs> K-O-K-O-D-A. And of course, the first question to ask you, Carrie, is what is Kokoda <laughs> and what is your Kokoda? Wow, Michael, uh, it's a great word. It's, um, it actually relates to the Kokoda Trail in Papua New Guinea, where at the end of the Second World War, the Australian troops fought the Japanese. And so it's quite poignant, really, that um, the land above Australia basically kept us safe. Um, and so when I say what's your Kokoda, I often think of what is the trip, the journey or the challenge that we can often be confronted with, uh, whether it's health, whether it's finance, whether it's mental health, whatever it is that happens to us. Um, I think most people have a, a daily Kokoda um, and uh, I did choose to do this trek, which is absolutely mammoth i had never trekked before in my life so i turned 50 about a decade ago now and for my 50th birthday i decided to walk the track and i went with a group of people of course i did some training um i had never slept in a tent ever in my whole life i hadn't trekked i hadn't trekked anywhere much i'd done a lot of walks um, and I'm a keen walker. Um, so I decided I was going to do this. And it really came at a time where uh, my family, I have four beautiful children, uh, came at the time where most of them were leaving home. So it was going to be an empty nest. And, uh, you know, when you throw yourself into being a mother, being, um, you know, a significant person in the household, also working in education at the time, it was all encompassing. Uh, it was it was like a it was it was a thing that I had to do. I felt this extreme pull to do it, and I remember I have a, a couple of back issues as well, and uh, I remember my back deteriorating significantly for the doctor to say, "Listen, you know you really shouldn't be doing this," and I just went, "You have got to be joking!" I said, "This is happening. I am going. So this is a matter of how am I going to manage this." To, to get it now holy heavens michael I, I i've just got the goosebumps as i've talked to you because i've just had a memory of being knee knee and then waist high in tall grass at, at minari uh where the long grass were where the troops would have gotten through um with their rifles with their kit in their heavy um 1945 gear which is very different to clothing these days and i remember this particular day lifting physically having to lift each one of my legs out of 
the mire, out of the reeds and the mud to make the next step. And, you know, when you've got a memory like that, or when you've got a memory of sitting in artillery trenches at the top of the immature ridge that the Japanese would have used to, to hide or the Aussies would have done, it just brings to you, brings forward to you how privileged I've been to bring up four children in a free country. And so that is, that was probably my, my that was the impetus for, for doing Kokoda. And of course, my father and John said to me, he said, bloody hell, are you stark raving mad woman? And I said, probably dad, probably dad, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, I got, <laughs> when I look back on it, uh, yeah, it was physically really tough. I lost seven toenails and I had no skin on the back of my heels. Mm. Um, and I gave my boots away. I left my boots up in Kokoda. I didn't bring them back. Um, but the, the whole trip really was more emotionally and mentally taxing than the body. And I learned a lot about myself, even after, at 50 years of age, I learned a lot about the Carrie and uh, what, what she had learned in life and who she really wanted to, to become even more so. So yeah, it was, you could call it self-indulgent, but I, I think these places and spaces that you feel pulled to they don't necessarily have to be on top of a ridge that's, um, you know, 7,000 feet high. That's what we climbed, basically. Um, we did about 152K in 10 days. Wow. Um, it, was, it was, we did a military uh, trick. What the soldiers did, that's what we did. Yeah. And um, I went with a great company, Charlie Lin, who here is well known. He's an was an upper house MLC politician, state government, but he also... Uh, is a is a veteran, um, and so when you when you look at that, um, everybody, anyone with a mental illness, does a Kokoda every day. As far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, if you've you've ended up in a really bad relationship or you've been in in a situation of domestic violence, right, um, emotional, physical, whatever it is, that's your Kokoda, your daily Kokoda. So, <laughs> well. That's, that's yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, gosh, I've got a lot to to ask you in response to, to that. I, I've just got this vision. I mean, I got this picture of you as you were talking, literally in those tall grasses in the mire, as you said, lifting yeah. your legs out one at a time to get to keep going after you just told us that you had a really bad back. And you still, I mean, it sounds like you, it was, it was, physically grueling and painful of course um but you're saying it was more about the the mental yeah. uh, challenge um i'm curious when you say about everyday kokoda um can you elaborate on that i mean yeah, how do you relate what you went through which was extreme challenge Oh, of which I chose to do, of which I chose to do, right? Okay. So uh, I think that makes a difference. And I look at, uh, I have, an, look, we all have family, friends, um, colleagues that uh, have particular illnesses or um, mental illness always comes, comes to the fore, uh, depression, um, addictions, uh, lot, lots of things that um, really make a sense of reality or normality that's my daily life it, the comparison is 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 quite um quite strong um so i don't i don't have as far as i know i don't have any of those things um i might be addicted to coffee but i'm not addicted to say cocaine or or medicated medications or um other things right so i just think the kokoda for me is the deep challenge, the perseverance that you need, the um, preparation or the or the habits, the daily habits that you 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 have put in place so that you stay you stay on the track that, that you you're still able to get out of bed each day. Yeah. I mean we've we've got we've got children who go to school each day and God bless them they're actually doing the parenting for their parents. Their parents can hardly get out of bed, right? It's it's it's. Um, 
to me, it's when I say, you know, daily Kokoda, it's, it's that daily challenge that's, uh, you, you live with something, you know, that is, is really strong. You, you could be, um, it, it could be that you're schizophrenic. Um, you, yeah, uh, could be that you've got the huge gambling habits, right? Um, could be that you've lost everybody in your family. You, you, you no longer see your children anymore because the marriage is split up or the partnership split up and the kids have gone. I mean, that's that stuff. It's really, really massive, really massive. So um, as you're talking, Carrie, it reminds me what I'm thinking of, what you're saying and how does that relate to the mental struggle and challenge that we're facing now in terms of being for weeks on end locked down in terms of um, you know the fear of losing a job or losing a job um yeah. if you're running a business um you know you're either out of business or you're headed that way or trying to stave off dis the dissolution of your business etc how can you transfer I mean, what, what is the, what is the, that mindset that you can take from that kind of Kokoda experience you're talking about every day? How does that translate into what people are going through now? If you talk to a lot of people, um, which I do, about what it, how, what it is taking for them to thrive in this situation or to um, actually be able to have some sense of normality in the situation or to be able to get out of bed most days to do the work right because this is uh, without plummeting into huge depths of depression um, the daily habits that you either have in place that you have practiced during your lifetime or ones that you know you have just developed now to help you with the level of anxiety with the level of um, fear that you have around the future, the, the, the lack of um, financial stability that, that you did have before this. Um, so to me, some of the habits that you have to put in place. So one of the strongest things for me is exercise. I was talking to people today and yeah, you, you, you move it around, no matter whatever you are capable of, there's no comparison. There's no competition with anybody. You just do what works for you. So when you think of the basics, you know, we, we all need shelter. We all need uh, good food and uh, we need uh, some type of love. So if we look at the habits in place, I've got some exercise in place. I try and eat as well as I can. Sleeping is actually very important. And, and it can be one of the biggest things that's happening to people that they can't sleep at the moment. <clears throat> so it's techniques for being able to uh, be to calm and to put down your thoughts so they're not they're not ruminating and and drawing you into negatives all, all the time. So that contagious thought. So you can actually uh, work on your gratitude strategies. So at least at least three things that you're great grateful for at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. So it, it helps you with all those other, other things. But the other thing is also about a, some type of community that you belong to. People who are not toxic, but people who are willing to say to you, how are you going today? Are you okay? Um, tell me, tell me, tell me what's been, a, a, what, how you've started today. Tell me what you've done. What else could you do? That sort of thing. So it's surrounding yourself with a community. Um, that's really important as well. And when you work for yourself, as you know, you've actually got to create that yourself. You know, if you work for a large organisation like I did, um, the education one, I mean, there's, gosh, we had 80,000 teachers um, in, in, the, in the community. So I, I'd gotten to know a whole lot of the office people over, over the 24 years. So when I stepped out of that environment, I went, oh, wow. Holy dooly, girl, you, you're going to need a community. So you've got to find the people that are going to be uh, able to challenge you, but also take you with them and also go with you and say, hey, great, this, this is fantastic. So it's that, that sort of momentum that you need. You also yeah. need to love. <laughs> you, also you also need, need to, to love. <laughs> to love. Yeah. 
Yes. I'll leave that one for the last. That's the last. People are probably saying, when's she going to talk about love? But you you need it. And mostly it's 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 love. We've just had Mother's Day in Australia. And uh, I was I was already crying uh, with, with absolute amazement at eight eight o'clock on Sunday morning because one of my uh, the kids have put together this most amazing movie about me and uh, just, yeah, brought, brought me to tears most of the day. Maybe I've just started to tear up as I'm thinking about it. So there you go. <laughs> but the love, wow. yeah, the love. <laughs> How do you give it out? How do you give it out, you know? And it's not just about you receiving the love. It's actually you giving it out, go, yes. going out of yourself. And a lot of the large, the interesting thing at the moment is a lot of the large... Um, organizations and thought leaders around change and um, uh, organizational progress and culture is about they talk about loving the people you work with mm. and I, I believe they're really talking about care mm. care not as in romantic love but they're talking about how do you actually f curious about your people find out about them find out a little bit about them you know um, Absolutely. Because, um, yeah. You've you've just given us um, and the listeners given me and the listeners uh, a, a tremendous list there. I'd like to pause and just dwell on one or two of those, Kerry. Um, okay. That was that was great. So the habits of uh, exercise, uh, staying calm, sleeping well, and of course nowadays there's all sorts of you know one thing about technology is you can get onto oh. Headspace or some other form yeah. of uh, meditation that's even targeted to actually going to sleep um, yeah. you know obviously better than sleeping pills and or you know a bottle yeah. of whiskey but <laughs> yeah <laughs> those are other options that aren't so healthy um, <coughs> the gratitude is very interesting I think um, the gratitude strategy you called it because yeah. whatever way you cut it whether it's three times a day or in the morning or in the evening or anytime or just spontaneously reminding yourself that when when we when we choose to be grateful and think about who we're grateful to and for what we're grateful for, it allows us to focus on the positive in a negative time. Yeah. To remember, to remind ourselves mm -hmm. that you know what, it's awful out there. There's a whole <laughs> lot of fear and there's a whole lot of destruction of the economy and there's a whole lot of this, that, and the other. But we are grateful for each mm -hmm. other, for her, for him, the people in my village, um, the people I work with, and staying in touch. So that's, I agree with you, that's really important. Community as well, like you're saying, and a corporate community. I yep. mean, I think community doesn't just have to be your local village or your, you know, no. your, your, where you meet in the town. We don't really have our communities at the moment, do we? We don't have pubs. No, yeah. ours are all boarded up like yours would yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, they've just, um, as of this weekend, we'll have um, 10 people being allowed in restaurants and cafes. Okay. Uh, the takeaway has been uh, open, but that's, we've just started to open up like that. But Michael, I just want to take you back because I heard yeah. you say the magic word. I heard you say the magic word. And the magic word is choice, I think, because we, we can choose to be great, grateful or we can choose to be narcissistic. We can choose to be so self-absorbed that we can't see outside of ourselves or for the benefit of anybody else. And really, if there's something that's come out of the COVID-19 virus and situation that we're in, it has been some of the most amazing um, gifts of generosity, yeah. of time, yeah. of talent, of skill, of care and love, of compassion, of empathy. You just have to look around and see um, singing from the balconies, the applause for for healthcare workers at, at eight o'clock each night on, on the turn of the shifts changing over. The, the, even, the, even your Facebook, even the social media has actually been involved in um, 
getting couch choirs together, getting, uh, you know, room with a view. So we've actually been tripping around the world, seeing the views out of people's back window or backyards, you know. It's been amazing. We've been privileged, been privileged also to cry with people, to to want to put our arms around them when we can't do it, but we, we can only do it from a distance, but we are still doing it. When we see some of the desolate situations people have been in. Uh, the night I watched um, uh, the welding of doorways being shut in China, or the night I watched the white vans continually rolling up to outside apartment blocks in New York, right, and bodies just coming out, or one after the other, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're, the, they're the things that have really tripped all our hearts. Um, and I think that's also helped us be far more grateful because why, why do I not have the virus? <laughs> why does somebody else get it? <laughs> so we could go into quite a lot, lot, lot of a conversation, but I think the word choice is, is really important here because we can look at it as a glass half full or a glass half empty. We've got that sense of choice and it's a mindset. I totally agree. I actually wrote an article about this recently. Um, the for leaders who are run, leading teams in in in, in the yep. business world, I mean, they're all virtual teams now, aren't they? At the moment, at least. Um, so uh, the leader has a choice. The team leader has a choice to reach out and to to strengthen his or her community, which is the team, whoever the team is, especially if they're all over the world, which they often are, and certainly in big corporations. Um, but the choice is to focus on them, not focus on, the, on yourself. It's too easy to get into survival mode, isn't it? Um, where the leaders are, because of their own fear, they're not managing their own fear and, and in this environment. Uh, and by I say managing their own fear, I mean, you know, when we have fear, Again, we have a choice. Be aware of it and then choose to bypass it or go, be, go through it or go beyond it uh, rather than simply get overwhelmed by it. But that's an act of courage, in my view. <laughs> Just like yep. the Kokoda is for you, that experience. It yeah. takes an act of... It's funny, isn't it? It's, it? Yeah, it's about the physical act of actually moving up that mountain that you climbed, the yep. 7,000. But more than anything, it starts with a decision inside yourself and it's the same with the the leaders now around the world in businesses they're sitting there and they're going oh christmas what are we going to do what are we going to do ah i am going to i am struggling with myself here i'm choosing to say michael yes i'm i'm so, so self-absorbed because of what's going on but i'm going to pick up the phone i'm going to call carrie in sydney and she's she's on my team how's she doing what does she need right now you know yeah and, and we yeah. can reach out to each other um so yeah in terms of that is a choice it is it is and one of the one of the things about that choice is that you do have to have a mindset around how you want the people that you lead to feel an experience when you are in the leadership role. And so you made me just instantly think of this thing called emotional intelligence that um, I have, I think it's the best thing I ever bumped into in my whole career and uh, have been trained by um, or certified with Genos International, which um, is a global company. Um, started off starts off here in Australia with Dr. Ben Palmer uh, yeah, no. coming out of Swinbourne University yeah. and I know Michael you have a connection with with Genos as well as people smart um, so but the key to EI or emotional intelligence is what you learn about yourself so you have a greater appreciation of what you can learn about those you lead about others and it, it, you can even go back to Stephen Covey's work on seeking first to understand. It all fits in together. 
So you can't just be the, the captain of the ship, right? The grand poobah who dictates blah, blah, blah. That type of leadership is no longer, no one's any interested in that at the moment. And if you look at the current leaders during COVID-19 who seem to be getting most of the comment, um, it'll either be what we think are the best leaders or the most effective leaders at the moment, or the absolute worst leaders. And it is all about how they are treating people, what the decisions are, their comments, their communication around people. And um, it's classic, absolutely classic. We have been surprised. There have been some, some really, um, I th what I would consider fairly fast alterations to the empathetic and relational nature of these leaders. For those who have really caught up and realised, bang, actually, I'm not doing the job that I should be doing here. And there's others who, who just have, have, haven't been able to fire at all. Yeah. It's, I love what you're saying, and it's true, uh, in my view, that uh, it is the number one priority for the leader, now more than ever, to know themselves, to be self-aware. Because if you're, if you're not self-aware, if you don't know yourself, then it's very hard to make the choices that will help other people because <laughs> you're, you know, running on autopilot and, and you're kind of clueless about your own, how you negatively impact people uh, through your behavior, how you communicate and all that or whatever. Yeah. And so I think of, um, you know, we talk about in the corporate world, a lot about coaching and how coaching <laughs> is so important. Well, I think the most important coaching is self-coaching. You start yep. with your coaching yourself, and then you yep. can, you're a better coach of other people and your teams and so on. Um, yep. So it, it is about that self-management. And, and, you know, again, another key topic from what's going on currently is uh, a lot of people are giving workshops and webinars about resilience. And, of course, resilience is a part of the um, emotional intelligence group of capabilities um, yeah. as it pertains to self-management. Resilience. Now, obviously, when you were um, on the Kokoda Trail, <laughs> you had a lot of resilience, didn't you? I mean, you, you, you were exemplifying resilience um, and self-management because well, you made choices along the way. You, I, I love what you said about everyday Kokoda. I believe that every single person is heroic because we, yes. all of us are literally every day. I mean, I could go out of this room now and I could be reluctant to talk to somebody for whatever reason, even though I know that it would be the right thing to do. So that is my Kokoda moment where I, an old mentor of mine used to say years ago, you have a, um, a mini death, a mini death. And that mini death is a mini death of your, of your ego where you die, <laughs> let it go and do what you know is the right thing to do. So if you're reluctant to talk yeah. to someone that you need to talk to, and it could be a colleague in the business who you just don't want to make that phone call to, but you know, <laughs> you just know it. Okay. Have your mini death. Let go of it. Let go of yourself. <laughs> Give. Reach well, you, out. You fight. You don't focus on the necessarily if it's one of those conversations you don't want to have. Uh, you don't focus on necessarily the person. You focus on the issue at hand, um, and you treat the person with respect because, you know, we do make assumptions about how we we see a particular issue or, or um, uh, you know, whatever it is, a problem that we're working on. Um, it could be that they actually see it the same way or differently, but we've made some assumptions that could be right off the Richter scale <laughs> and, uh, you know, lead us down the, the wrong track. Yeah. yeah. But resilience is also, um, that's also a really interesting thing because when I first started out in education, I did a role as a parent educator and uh, we did a lot of workshops for parents, you know, around uh, parent, basically parenting. Uh, the schools were always a safe place, a safe community to come. So you could you could do a lot of learning there. You could get your your parents in. You could make sure you get to know them, so you, that you could understand. Usually, when you met the parents, you could understand why the children were like they were, and uh, 
resilience is always one of those workshops that uh, always came up. And I used to think of resilience as um, as an image and, I'd, you know, with a bungee rope around my ankle and you'd be jumping off this big bridge and you'd be jumping down into the, into the canyon with the rope around your leg and you knew it was elasticized, you knew it was shorter than the length from the top to the to the base of the canyon and that you wouldn't hit hit the bottom. So you'd be bouncing back up and down, going back up and down. But I've na I now don't think of it that way. I think of resilience is really the ability to take another step forward, to take another step in a different direction, not go back all the time and to apply what you've learnt in different situations for a brand new situation. You know, so I, I, have, I have changed that view, but there's a lot of research around resilience, a lot of literature around it. And one of the great things that has come out of the COVID situation is that our, our, our professional learning and development opportunities are just massive at the moment. Um, and there are a lot of them are around mindfulness, a lot of them around, yeah, um, uh, uh, building these habits, the self-coaching notion, um, and a lot of them are around um, how to, what I call, pivot from fear to confidence. Okay, so, so before we go any further, you just said something I thought was brilliant. Very concisely, you, you sort of gave a definition of re resilience. Can you just repeat that? It was to do, I'll, I'll t remind you in case you've suddenly moved on. It was to do with like resilience nowadays for you is taking one step forward, choosing to go or to change. What was, can you? Yeah, yeah. Choosing what? Cho choosing to step forward, not yeah. go backwards. And it may need to be in a different way or a different uh, direction than what you're used to. But you use where you've, where your where your resilience strengths have come from your other situations yeah. into the new situation i think i said something like that yeah you did you did you're right <laughs> yeah. um but but i i i love what you're saying because I, I can relate to that and i think that hopefully the listeners can as well and um so and then we're gonna and we talk about mindfulness as well um i want to just break for a minute and let people know who we are and what we're doing <laughs> in case they've forgotten or they just tuned in or whatever. Um, I'm speaking, this is Michael Banks. This, I am Michael Banks. And uh, you're listening to um, the People Smart Leadership Luminaries podcast series. This episode is with Carrie or Caroline Benedett. And uh, Carrie is in Sydney, Australia. She's talking about Pivoting from fear to confidence. She's mentioned her Kokoda experience, um, which was grueling, challenging, and she came through it and, and learned a lot about herself from that. Um, and uh, we're now going to go into a second thing I want to talk about, which is the uh, experiences you've had, because you talk about yourself as a global leadership coach and you talk about. Um, <laughs> creating a space in which leaders can explore their purpose and future through a global le learning and coaching lens. Uh, you mentioned three particular experiences that you have, and I'm, I'm curious to know um, how sort of that expanded experience can relate again to leaders and future leaders uh, now. Uh, one was East Arnhem Land, uh, the other one was uh, Pirati Marai, if I've got that right. And the other one was Ula Dulla. So do you want to just briefly mention those experiences and, and how those relate <laughs> to leadership? <laughs> You're so cute, Michael. Um, oh, thank you. The, I wish um, more people said that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the global experiences, I think, are gold. And they're, they're providing a space for someone in a leadership role, whether they've been in, in, in a number of roles and have climbed the corporate ladder, whether they've had contracts um, and been principals of, say, 
you know, four or five schools in their career, or whether you are someone who's aspiring and is starting out in, in a role. It doesn't matter. It's, it really is providing a space that is very, very different to your normal run-of-the-mill routine and space where you interact in your leadership to be able to spend the time in being present in something very, very different, but we immerse ourselves in the culture of that particular place. Now, East Arnhem Land is the far north of Australia. The soil is basically a red-orange. It's, it's, it's vast. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And the people that we went to live with on a community that's really an echo community. It's a dry community. There's no alcohol, um, and they are self uh, they are self sourcing for everything for all their their food. So they have built this community. Uh, we we lived with the Yolna people, um, and I've got to say, I I had to check myself because when I met them, um, I didn't realise how very very dark. Their, their skin was and how very white their eyes were. It was, a, it was an interesting thing for me. I had a particular view of our Indigenous people, um, sort of a lovely chocolatey colour skin, very different to mine. I'm English-Irish background, you know, um, very peaches and cream sort of style. And it was one of the things that took me back. It was the starkness of the land, this orange, this orange-red, and the people that walked on the land and lived on the land were very, so very dark and so very slim with not a lot of mus muscle. They're very, very lean and slim. And so when you get to hear the story of, of how they live and the, the nomadic life and how they only um, gather food for the day and they share it amongst themselves, they don't take more than they need, right? Um, it was an interesting quandary. So, the men, when we went to live um, and experienced the, uh, the, um, the Yolno people uh, on the community, the men did men's business and the women did women's business. And we did not meet. They, we didn't swap over and say, how about I try this today and you, you come fishing and we'll go and do the getting the grass and do the weaving, right? It was we were totally immersed in traditional, in traditional customs and the stories and we we got to appreciate that but are in the space we live there so we honor we honor the traditional clothing the style there's no electricity um we we did the whole the whole thing we also scaffold the learning around exploring our thinking exploring what it would uh what tradition and um, culture has effect on the on the style of leadership within that community as well. So that was that was Arnhem Land. And as I sit here in my office, I look up and I've got this magnificent picture of uh, the two of the girls sitting down just weaving, and they taught us how to weave. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. And the first things they the um, indigenous um, elders said to us were. Um, this is, this is your land. This is our land together. And so we've had this huge debate in Australia around respect and honouring of the First Peoples of our, of our nation, and we, we haven't done a very good job with it. There's a whole, whole big discussion. So for my future generation of, of little Benedettes, um, it'll be up to them to actually take charge and, and move forward on, on some of that as well. So that's one of the spaces. <laughs> okay. Well, what, did, uh, what did the leaders that you took with you to live there, what did they, can you just give me at least one example of what they came away with that they could then transfer into their, their normal lives, quote unquote? Well, in Australia, we have a whole lot of uh, standards for um, anyone leading schools. Um, and part of them, there's a, there's a whole area around uh, working with Indigenous um, and our First Peoples, right? So most of the leaders that came um, basically found it very difficult at 
the end or during times during the the time that we lived on on country to express how they how the depth of their feeling it was highly emotional for them um, at the end of it a lot of them um, had said that uh, when they had gone back to their communities there was a whole change in how they were leading that aspect of of the school the local people so um, a lot of the schools were religious based schools as well so it was a um, how you blend how you honor the the faith based plus the the indigenous base of the culture plus a multicultural country where we have second third generation population in our schools um, of, from all different nations around the world. So we also had a number of people who decided that it was time for them to leave their current position and seek out something else. Wow, that, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. Was really it was it was very powerful, very powerful. And uh, just to take what you're saying and and you know extrapolate, if you like, to the needs for leaders in general in our world today to be able to uh, experience firsthand different cultures, different yeah. environments, different ways of doing things. Because I think then that would hopefully expand that leader's ability to lead a, a multicultural team. Again, going back to uh, corporate leaders nowadays, especially yeah. the big organizations, a lot that I talk to, you know, their span of, their teams exist in different continents yeah. in the same team. And um, I'll never forget, I'll name it, American Express. I used to do a lot of work with, and I had, there was a meeting I was facilitating with one of their executive teams in, I think it was the international executive team in, in New York. They brought everyone in from different continents and so on. And there was one guy in, from Eastern, this is years ago, and I won't name names, but there was a guy from uh, Croatia, I think it was, back in the day, this is like 20 years ago, um, and he had felt sort of like marginalized and unrecognized, and he felt like he was on his own, working in Eastern Europe, uh, the headquarters of American Express was in New York, and um, anyway, there was this extraordinarily powerful moment in, in, in one of the two days where he basically said, uh, I feel like I'm on my own. Um, and he started to cry. I mean, mm. this is, at the time, we're talking about, you know, 20 years ago, that was really unheard of. Yeah. And it was so poignant because the sadness of this man who'd basically been ignored. Um, and, and right there is an example, an extreme example of, how not to be a great leader, especially now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, and that was yeah, in yeah. person. Yeah. Imagine people feeling like that. And I know I talked to these executives and uh, the other day, in fact, some guy said, I haven't seen my boss for two years. Well, he can't, he can only see him by Zoom now or whatever. But uh, <laughs> uh, this whole idea that you're talking about of taking leaders into an environment and a space where they're exposed to a different culture, to, to, to really open their minds to curiosity. And uh, who are these people? Who are my people? You know, who, who's in my team? <laughs> what, are, what, what are they people? That's it. And, and, and what, the, the other thing that, I mean, you've just reminded me that uh, a lot of them had said to me, well, I, I feel actually quite embarrassed for, for my lack my lack of understanding, lack of knowledge of the first peoples of my country that I that I, and I, I have such a, um, I feel such a pull towards their style of um, art. They're absolutely magnificent interpretation of their their stories, their dream time, their stories. They're, they're, you know, it's just amazing. Their uh, resurgence of teaching their local lang their their languages and. The, the issue with our, with our um, Indigenous people here is that, that every mob has a slightly different language and there's so many different different ones that there's not one. So in New Zealand, though, uh, the Māori, they, they actually have one language. So their principals, their teachers, 
they all can converse in Māori as well as, as English, right? Um, and so taking people to live on the marae in, on Wahiki Island, um, in New Zealand, the Puritani marae there, um, that was sort of mind-blowing as well because we were totally immersed and slept, slept in the Great Hall under the magnificent artwork where the, where the gods and the clouds and whatever, under carvings, that everything was done locally. So the weaving, the carvings, the, the, the painting, you name it. But we all pitched in, we learnt songs, we did, we walked the, walked the earth as well there, the country. Basically, we honoured we're really honouring whatever the culture is when we go away to different places, whether it's the south coast, Aladala, um, on the south coast here, whether it's in China, whether it's whether it's um, you know uh, in New Zealand or you know wherever we go. We were meant to have been in India earlier this year, about a, about a month and a half ago. That would have been absolutely sensational, um, and we will still get there, no doubt. But it's honouring, honouring the traditions, the culture, the spirituality, just the, the smells, the textures, the, the, the art, the people. It's, it's honouring that and seeing it through a different lens to what you are usually leading through. And I think that's the beauty. And I don't, I probably haven't said it well enough um, because it's actually very deep. It's actually, it's, it's like getting into your heartbeat when you, you experience and realise how privileged you are um, to be trusted, to be trusted, to, to be welcomed here. And I think there's a lot we can learn from the people that we work with different traditions. I mean, crikey's, I've got, I've got all national, nationalities as friends here and, uh, you know, bring us all together around, around a table with food and, Basically, that's just, it's like a currency, you know, it's, it's like, it's like opening up that idea of, of you, the host, and bringing everybody in together. And to me, leadership is really about bringing people around the table. You either go to their table, doesn't matter where you are, you can make a table anywhere. But what you're bringing is your heart. What you're bringing is your, your knowledge, your, your skills your biases, your, you know, the, your assumptions, everything, you bring it all together and you try and make sense of it together. Fantastic. Um, and actually it's a perfect segue into the, because we're going to need to wrap up in a minute, um, into the last sort of topic, if you like, though, or question, questions that I want to ask you, Carrie. Um, so given the current circumstances and uh, going forward from here, uh, what would you say is the job of the leader and what are the key skills and mindsets that leaders need to possess or develop now and in the future? And we're talking about not just current leadership, but leadership that's coming through, young leaders. What's the job? What's the skills? What's the mindsets um, that need to be developed further? Over to you. Well, they're big questions, aren't they? They're, yep. they're, they're really large. I, my personal view is um, that the role of the leader is to actually put themselves out of the egoness of the role, to be the le a leader of community, of bringing together and opening up the mechanisms and the ways that the people who are in your teams and working with you contribute to the best of their ability. So your job is to make them feel as valued as possible. Your job is also to, to basically be there to walk alongside and support and find ways to support what they need to do their job. And during our time with COVID, I think we, we've actually got a future at our fingertips that some creative 
ideas, some uh, pinpointing of what really matters. And our human population is what really matters and how we are all able to have a level of security and a level of a standard, a standard of living that is not as disproportionate as it is now. So I think our leadership is really about stepping forward, being as uh, being able to ask for help and seek help when you don't know what to do, instead of feeling that you actually have to have all the answers. And I also think leadership has to be full of heart. You know, God gave us, as far as I can work out, we've been given two eyes, two ears and one mouth, but we've also been given this most magnificent thing called the heart. And we do twice as much listening and observing encased in, 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 in care and respect for each other, for the job we do. I think uh, <laughs> our sense of being busy and frenetic has now shown to affect our health. And it's probably the biggest lesson out of all of us that artificial intelligence perhaps has enabled us to stay connected during this time, whereas it's actually been our health and uh, um, quality of life that's been affected. I don't know if I've answered that very well for you. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, you have. I mean, you know, when, when you ask anyone to talk about leadership, there's, there's a thousand possible answers. But what I think you have, and I think what I'm going to home in on and what you said in particular, simply because I happen to also think that it's the most in, important thing that any leader can consider and develop you talked about you know, what's most important now is the human population. <laughs> well, that's a simple thing to say, but it's, it is about human beings. And we all do different things. We do business, you know, we yeah. do education, we, we do all these things, but uh, coming from love, from the heart, should precede ideally all our actions, all our behaviors, all, everything about the way we interact with other people it, if we're coming from the heart yeah. and we're coming authentically from a place of love and real care then we can bring people to the table who will enjoy being at the table who will feel part of being around the table and that is the community and that is your teams that is your businesses that is your families um, mm. There's no difference really. It's just that businesses are doing stuff where you exchange money for, for, for things you yeah. do and produce. But mm. then again, you know, the leadership takes men is at all levels, all cultures, all ages, and so on, uh, all genders. And fundamentally, we can't, we, we, I think we only lose sight of our heart and our um, and the source of who we are which is is love at our peril if we lose that if we don't develop yeah. that we go the opposite direction um we are in trouble but we're we're not well, while we keep the, the flame alive sorry it's con it's conscious leadership it's conscious we need to be you need to be on thinking about not just us. It's important to think about yourself, but it's also what is the legacy we're going to leave? What's our, our responsibility is more than just ourselves. So for anyone in a leadership role, this is about being there to help create leaders who are greater than we can be. We won't know what we've actually done. We'll be long gone in the box. We're in their box a long time. So we, we need to make the best of the opportunity. You know, think about, you know, I love that notion of have the eulogy before you go. Listen to what people are going to say about you. And gosh, if we had the crystal ball, we could actually go, oh, shoot, wish I hadn't waited till I was 75 or 80 
to have fixed up a couple of things that I should have done down the track or whatever. Um, you know, that's doesn't really matter. We, we won't be able to hear what they say, but it would be interesting to, to say, but we'll never know. But you know what, Michael, the most astounding thing for me nearly every day now that I have um, a work for myself um, has been incredible stories of people, the amazing um, trust they share uh, with you about their own stories and the creativeness around how they think and how then they behave with others. And I think that's pretty amazing. And there's some super hot ideas out there, some innovation that is just crazy as, and we just should be really embracing our creativeness to try and work out how best to solve some of the huge issues that are affecting us before COVID hit and now Absolutely. are staring us straight again in the eyes. Absolutely, Carrie, I agree. And, uh, you know, there's, the creativeness comes when you have people together without fear, feeling trust, feeling safe, uh, connected, and they can then be creative together yeah. um, and be liberated and be free in their thinking <laughs> and have vision because they're not operating under fear. So you talked about pivoting from fear to confidence. <laughs> that was, your, that was the title you, you put to this, uh, this, this episode. So I think that's totally appropriate we finish on that, on that note. Um, so thank you, Carrie. You've been fantastic to talk with. <laughs> I hope everyone's enjoyed our conversation. Um, I want you to now tell us um, how, uh, how the audience can um, contact you. So what's your contact information if they'd like to get in touch? Right. Easiest way will be um, looking at the website. I have a website. Uh, my name, all you have to do is uh, www.carriebenedet.com. So carriebenedet.com. The same name is used for Instagram, Carrie Benedet, for uh, Facebook for um, LinkedIn, Carrie. And I actually did stick the Caroline in the middle for LinkedIn. <laughs> so LinkedIn, um, because I, I do have people that do know me by the official title of which I only ever got when I got into trouble. So oh. um, so it's, it's always been Carrie. Uh, so yeah, so Carrie Benedet, uh, you'll find me. I have, and I'm, I'm really enjoyed doing this, Michael. I have a podcast called Thriving Matters. Um, so you can find that on all on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, you name it, you can find it. Um, and we really talk and find ordinary guys and gals like you and I who are doing some extraordinary things. And they're the stories I want to tell. Um, I also have just started a brand new um, <laughs> initiative on uh, BeLive, actually, uh, especially during as a response for COVID. Um, on, on uh, what we call Thrive Studio, how we pivot in times of uncertainty and disruption like this, how, how we're all managing to maintain some sense of normality, but also looking at what we need to do in a different situation. So that, that's, that's that idea of theatre confidence. Okay, brilliant. So they can contact you, as you said, Carrie Benedet, um, on your website. LinkedIn, Facebook, you do a podcast series called Thriving Matters. Um, you have the new initiative of Thrive Studio to bring people together to discuss how, how to best get through this uh, current set of challenges. Um, and also you're available as a speaker and as a, as a coach in, a, in, in, yes. in the corporate world, uh, leadership coach and so on. So fantastic. Carrie, it's Thank been a you. total pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for letting me tell you all that. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. And uh, I, I wish you all the best. I hope it gets, well, it's still going to get warmer for you now, is it? It's going to get colder because Australia's going into, into winter, which is our summer, right? Yes, yes. And it's gotten a little bit nippy just this week. So I love the cool. I grew up at the base of Snowy Mountain. So I think that's probably ingrained in me. Um, but uh, let's hope we, uh, we don't have too rough a winter because we're going into flu season as well as. Um, 
as uh, having the having the virus. So my um, last thought would be just to say thanks everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, but please go gently and take good care of yourselves because your thriving matters. No matter what you do or where you are, you are precious. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Carrie. Be well. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>